Welcome to the Discover You Podcast with your host, James Hooper, spiritual and personal discovery author, speaker, teacher, and coach. James helps you find who you were created to be and guides you to the most fulfilling life you can experience. On this podcast, we'll guide you through discovering what energizes and motivates you, why you think the way you think, act the way you act, and react the way you react. We'll learn together how to grow through spiritual truths to become the best version of yourself possible. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us so they can begin their own growth journey. Welcome to episode 18, everybody. And I'm excited to have you with me this week. And we're going to be sharing with you a sermon that I gave in in Page, Texas, at Ridgeway Baptist Church. It was my first time to ever preach in a Baptist church, and I was so excited. And so I shared a message called, You Are a Piece of Work. And it's from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, You are God's workmanship. And that word in the Greek is poema. We get our word poem from it, or it's a masterpiece, a work of art. And so we are God's work of art, his masterpiece. But not just to sit on a shelf and look good. It says that we are created for good works. We're created for good works. And so uh, I discussed that and talked about that. With there's a lot of talk uh, at the time of this recording. There's been a couple of of celebrities that have committed suicide, and I really felt like it was important for us to talk about the value we have in the eyes of God. And so we discussed that. We talked about how Jesus said that the works that He did we can do also in greater works. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, give it a listen. And thanks again for joining us this week. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, writing a letter to them, and uh, he's trying to encourage them, trying to strengthen them, trying to to lift them up, and uh, I'm going to entitle my remarks today in my sermon, You Are a Piece of Work. You Are a Piece of Work. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, this is a very familiar passage. Uh, if you ever go to a Chick-fil-A that uh, Dan Cathy, who is Truett Cathy's son, Dan Cathy ever came to at the opening, on one of the pictures somewhere, you'll see his signature and you'll see Ephesians 2.10 under his name. This is one of his, his scriptures. And uh, so I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, so it shouldn't vary much from yours if you're reading the King James. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This word workmanship, you'll find out I'm kind of a word geek. I love words, and I love finding out the etymology of words, the origin of words. I love to find out what they mean, because if you look deep into the scripture, you're going to find what the original intent was when they wrote the, the scripture. Just kind of as a history, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. So sometimes the King James translators didn't quite translate it with the exact word because English is a lot less descriptive language than the Greek 
language is. And so sometimes you need to go back into the original language to see what is meant. And so we can look at workmanship and we can think of, think of all kinds of different things, but the Greek word for workmanship is poema. P-O-I-E-M-A, poema. And it comes from the word poio, which is to make, and the suffix ma, which is the result of. So it means something that is composed or constructed, something that is made, that which is manufactured, a product, the thing made, a design produced, produced by an artisan. Poema meant any work of art. It could mean a statue, a song, architecture, a poem, or a painting. It conveys the idea of something artfully created. So think about that description when you say, when Paul was writing to the Ephes church at Ephesus, he says, for you are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are his creation. Now see, we look at creation, we just think about, okay, he created us, but we are... He, he is the ultimate artist, and, and you can drive all throughout this area and see all the beautiful trees and, and all that stuff, and then go to the hill country, go out west of, of Austin to see the hill country and see that gorgeous, then go to the mountains, and my favorite ones are actually in North Carolina. I love the Smoky Mountains. Uh, Colorado's good, uh, but I hurt myself skiing there, so I'd rather go to North Carolina. There's lots of trees, and you don't go skiing on those mountains. You just sit and drink coffee and look. It's really good for me. I like that. And so you look at all these things and you look, God is a, an artist. God is such a creative being. And the way we know God first in the scripture, the way we first come to know God is in the beginning God created. Yes. So we know God took time when he created us. See, if you look at the account of the creation in Genesis, you look at God and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, he said in the, he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, let there be a firmament, and there was a firmament. He spoke, let the seas come. He spoke everything into existence, except when he got to man, he actually put his hands in the dirt. He didn't speak us into existence. He put his hands into the dirt and formed us out of the dust of the ground. And when he reached perfection in the form, he put his mouth on our nostrils and breathed his very spirit into us. We are God's ultimate creation. Now see, before you start saying, well, you know, you're all high and mighty stuff, God said, after everything you created, that's good. At the end of every day, he said, that's good. But when he created man, he said, that's very good. That's very good. Yes. And so we are God's workmanship. But not only are we his workmanship in the original creation, then man fell, of course. Adam sinned and he fell in the garden. And sin came and death came and destruction came. And all these things happened. And as Romans says, the earth has been subjected to, to futility. And it groans with all the things the earth was never meant to deal with sin earth is just groaning with all of this might and everything happened but when Jesus came he created us anew so God created us in the original he created us from the dust of the ground but then when Jesus came he made a way for us to be born again a new creation the scripture says 
a new species of being. If you look at the original, we're a new species. God recreated us and he did it all over again. He did his work all over again. So we are his workmanship. For since in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. That phrase, the things that are made, is that same word, poema. <coughs> Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I was reading and I read a, an article by John Piper, and he wrote, Creation is God's poema work of art. What does he do to make himself evident? He made the world. He created like a potter or a sculptor or a poet, except he created out of nothing in verse 20. When it says that God is understood through what has been made, the words what has been made stand for the Greek word which you will all recognize as the word poema. We get our word poem from that word. The universe and everything in it is God's work of art. What's the point of this work? The point is that in a poem there is manifest design and intention and wisdom and power. The wind might create a letter in the sand, but not a poem. That's the point. God acted. God planned. God designed. God crafted. He crafted and made. And in doing that, Paul says in verse 19, God made himself evident to all mankind. The universe is a poem about God. Also in the psalm it says that all of creation declares your glory. And we are part of that creation. If we are the crowning achievement of his creation, then we should be the ones that show his glory declares glory even more than anything else. I can drive, driving down here, and once I got on 71 here, and I begin to see, all, I love trees, y'all, I'm from Dallas. If you have a tree in Dallas, you planted it. There's no 100-year-old trees, you just planted a tree, and it's probably about this tall. So I'm driving through here, and I'm just loving all of the trees, and and I grew up in a black mud where, you know, they where, you know, a lot of fields and stuff. And it's a rich soil to grow stuff in, but they say if you'll stick with the black mud, it'll stick with you. So if you, you get in that black mud and it's wet, it's just sticky. So I love the sandy soil. I love this. So I'm just looking at this and I just think about, God, how great you are. How awesome you are. And if I think about that when I look at trees, when I look at the area around here, when I drive up this driveway and see how it's, how it's beautifully mown and how all the trees are there and stuff, and, and I just see it, all of a sudden I begin to think about, but how much more are you to be glorified in me? How much are you to be glorified in me? Remember, we are his workmanship. Psalm chapter 139 verse 14 said, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, God wants us to understand in this time, and I don't know how many of you are following the news, but another celebrity has committed suicide. <clears throat> and suicide is, is on everyone's mind nowadays. And it's amazing to me, uh, Kate Spade, who had committed suicide a few days ago, I heard a, an interview with her uh, on an entrepreneur podcast. I love listening to entrepreneur podcasts. I'm just kind of a visionary person. So we're listening to her and listening to the creation of Kate Spade, 
how she designed all of her purses, her bags, and shoes, and things like that. And you're listening to her, and she's just so full of life, and she's so full of passion, so full of all these things that, that you imagine. And then she sold the whole brand and sold it for multiple million, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so she didn't have to do anything else again. And so she didn't for a while, but now she started a new bag company. She started a new shoe company. And so they were doing that and they were working on that, but they weren't pressured like they were when they first started, when they were starving and spending every money they had. So they weren't as pressured. But then then she commits suicide. You think, wait a minute, she's got millions of dollars and she 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 was in her Park Avenue pen, penthouse and, and she was doing what she loved. Why would someone do that? And then the food journalist Anthony Bourdain he was in France. He was in France filming new shows. I mean, I'm thinking, I love to travel. I love to travel. And I'm thinking, if I'm in France, I ain't thinking about killing myself. I'm thinking about all of the history, all the wonderful stuff around me, all the things going on. But he was doing what he loved, the passion that he did. So we're told that if you just follow your passion and all this kind of stuff, but he still committed suicide and so we think about these things and what happens is the enemy of our soul and I, I don't know if you believe it but I'm here to tell you for the truth there is an enemy to your soul there's someone that does not want you to exist let me give you a reason why he don't like you because you took his place see before he was Satan he was Lucifer but he was an archangel just like Michael and Gabriel he was another archangel, and he was the worship leader in heaven. And the scripture tells us in Ezekiel that he was the most beautiful creation. As he moved, his body had instruments made into it, and the wind made music. There were chimes and timbrels, and there were strength. As he moved, he made music. He was the worship leader of heaven. But then he got all built up in himself, and he says, But I will ascend, and I will be like the Most High God. And I will lift my throne up beside his. Mm -hmm. And he got kicked out of heaven. But then you look at creation. He was cast down to earth. You look at creation and when God, ready to, when God got ready to create us, remember I told you he spoke everything else, but then he had a committee meeting, meeting up in heaven. He didn't, they didn't talk about anything else. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't talk about anything else until it came to make man. They said, they said, okay, let's have a power. Let us make man. Let's make him in our image. Let's make him after our likeness. And Satan is going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got in trouble for that. Because I said, I'm going to be like God. But you're going to create somebody like you in your image and after your likeness. That's why he hates you. You took his job as a worshiper, and then you were created in God's image. The very thing that he got in trouble for, God created you so that you could bring torment to him. See, you are the devil's punishment. See, we look at, we look at the devil and say, oh, he's after me. Oh, I'm so afraid of him. Wait a minute. You are his punishment. 
You were put here to flourish on this earth, here to lead a godly life, here to show the glory of God, to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. You were placed here on purpose, and God says, I'm going to, I want you to have life, Jesus, John 10, 10. I, I am that they might have life and have life more abundantly, and we are to have abundant life, and we are to put it in the face of the devil, though. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's why he don't like you. So he's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you, and he's going to tell you, you are worthless. He's going to tell you, you have no importance to this world. You're here by mistake. He's going to lie to you and tell you, nobody really loves you. People just tolerate you. He's going to lie to you and tell you, you have no purpose for being here whatsoever. You're just an accident of nature. Your parents accidentally had you. I'm here to tell you that God strategically planned you and put you on this earth. He created you out of his creativity, out of his strength, out of his integrity, out of his intelligence. He created you for this time in history, and he put you here strategically. You are not here just to suck up oxygen. Amen. You're not here just to... to be on this earth for no good reason. He has a purpose and a plan for you. The enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that you are ugly, that you have nobody cares for you, that everybody has turned their back on you, and everybody may have turned their back on you, but let me tell you a secret. Jesus says that I'm a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Though all others may turn their back on you, I will never turn my back on you. He will always be with us. So the enemy wants to lie to us. But all we have to remember is say, listen, I'm a piece of work. I am a piece of work. Now some of y'all, that's a real true statement. You're a piece of work, I tell you what. But see, the thing is, is you are a, a terrorist to the devil. You are to be someone that brings glory to God. Let me give you another secret. There is an aspect of God's glory placed inside of you that is not inside anyone else. There is an aspect of His glory. In, in Revelation, when it talks about there's winged creatures, or six-winged creatures, and they're flying around the throne, it says with two they cover their feet, with two they cover their face, and with two they fly. And they're flying around the throne, and as they fly around, they say, Holy! Holy, holy. I am convinced every time they fly around the throne, it's like a multifaceted diamond. They see a different facet of God's glory. And it's like, holy. They just start declaring to each other, holy, holy. There are so many aspects. The scripture tells us that his manifold wisdom, his multifaceted wisdom is to be revealed to the principalities through the church. And we are to, to show his Glory on this earth as it is placed inside of us. Each one uniquely has an aspect of God's glory on this earth that we are to declare. And let me tell you something else. If you don't live your full life, you don't live out that glory of God, you're cheating the rest of us. Because we need to see that aspect of God's goodness, that aspect of God's glory. But you say, well, I'm, I'm not anybody. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Paul just said, for we are his poema. We are his poem. We're his masterpiece. Yes. You need to get an attitude with the enemy. Say, oh, no, but uh, you ain't lying to me because I know. 
I'm here for a purpose. I'm here because he planned me to be here. I'm here. There may be circumstances that have happened in my life. There may be things that have happened. And there are things that have happened in each of our lives. And some of us have, have think had such things of unimaginable to happen to us. Some things that would destroy other people. But I'm here to tell you that God knew that you would be going through that. And he placed inside of you whatever you needed to make it through that. Mother Teresa said that God, God, I know God says that he won't put more on us than we can bear, but he said, I just wished he wouldn't trust me so much. It's like, all right, I, I appreciate the confidence, but dude, can a brother get some help down here, you know? I was reading and a gentleman named Rick Renner from a, a publication he has called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, and he's talking about this word poema. But he talks about one other version of that word. Is the Greek word for a poet is poetess. Comes from the same word in reference to a poet. This Greek word would denote one who has the extraordinary ability to write or create a literary masterpiece. Because Paul uses the word poema to explain what happened when you became a child of God, it emphatically means that on that day you got saved, God put forth his most powerful and creative effort to make you new. Once God was finished making you new, you became a masterpiece, skillfully and artfully created in Christ Jesus. There's nothing cheap about you at all. God's creative, artistic, intelligent genius went into your making. Look how much you've been given in Jesus Christ. Don't you think it's time to stop moaning about how dumb, stupid, ugly, or untalented you feel compared to others? Those feelings are all lies. And I'm at it. We aren't supposed to compare ourselves to others. There's no one else like you. That doesn't make any sense to try to compare yourself to someone else because there is nobody else like you. So it's like comparing an apple to a kiwi fruit. It's not the same. And God did that on purpose. We are comparing ourselves with ourselves, not with other people. See, the enemy wants to play the comparison game. He wants us to look at somebody else that seems to have it all together. You can look on social media and say, oh, look how they, they're good. Oh, look at Pastor Jack. He's, he's out there on the beach, and here I am. I'm still having to go to work and all this stuff. You're looking at their highlight reel. You're not looking at the times that they're struggling. You're not looking at the times they're questioning. You're not looking at the times that they're dealing with issues in their life. Not, and I'm not specifically meaning Pastor Jack. I'm just saying, when you see social media, you're not seeing the real them. They're all putting all these you know, scriptures up there and all positive stuff. And you know they just got through being depressed. So we've got to understand, we cannot compare ourselves with someone else. We can't look at someone else and say, hey, I have, because... You didn't start where they started. They started at a whole different place than you did. And so it doesn't matter what, where they are or what they've achieved, what they've not achieved, how many you know, successes they had. They started differently than you did. You have to look where you are and you have to look at yourself and you have to compare yourself. We are to compare ourselves with Jesus Christ. The scripture says that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are to look to him. We are to become transformed into his image day after day, transformed into Jesus' image. So don't compare yourself with others. Amen. We don't have time to be have low self-esteem, to have defeated thoughts, 
You're going to have difficulties. Yes, you're going to have. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have troubles. And I'm thankful he didn't stop right there. I'm thankful the scripture didn't say, that, and that's just too bad. But he said, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. He said, you're going to have trouble, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. What he's intimating is that he has given us that same overcoming power inside of us. When we became born again, the very Spirit of God entered into our lives, and we have the Creator of the universe living on the inside of us. We have the power of His Holy Spirit at our disposal. Whatever we need, it is there. We have access to His mind. We have access to His direction. We have access to His comfort, and He is there at our disposal. So we are never alone, no matter what the situation or the circumstances. So why were we created? Why were we created? The scripture says that we were created for good works. For good works. We're not here just to, once we get saved, say, see, if we were, if, we, if God just wanted to get us saved, we'd get saved and bam, we'd go to heaven. But he wants to redeem us. He wants to deliver us, create us, make us new. And then he wants to give us a reason to be there. He says, I want you to do good works. John chapter 10, verses 37 through 38. This is Jesus. If you're reading a red letter edition Bible, this is Jesus speaking. He said, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. And if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I'm in the father. So Jesus says, don't. You don't have to just believe me because I say it. Look at what I do. That's that's Jesus says, they will know that you are a Christian by our love. And then in four chapters later, Jesus is speaking chapter 14 of John. He said, now this, this is just mind-blowing here, okay? This is mind-blowing stuff. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. Listen to this. This is Jesus again. Listen to this. I tell you the truth. Why does he say that? I mean, he always says, I tell you the truth. Did you lie to me last time? No, not just. i sorry, I get sidetracked sometimes. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Okay, how do I deal with that? Deal with that. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Oh, but then he, he goes on and, and builds up. He says, and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Yes. Yeah. Mm. That gives us some responsibility now. Yeah. That gives us, we can't just say, well, I'm just going to go to church, just be a good Christian, live a good life. No, 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 no. That's not why you were born again. That's not why you were saved. You were saved. You were created a poema, a poem, God's masterpiece for good works, to do good works. Feeding those that are, un that are less fortunate is doing good works. Doing what you can for the kingdom of God is good works. Ministering to those that are sick is good works. Praying with those that are that are comfortless 
Comforting those that are comfortless are good works. Reaching out to the poor, good works. Encouraging a brother is good works. We have been saved. We have been redeemed. We have been created as a masterpiece to do good works. And Jesus said, the works that I do, and I'm going to leave it up to you to look and see what the works he did. Because he did some pretty awesome things. Amen. Yes, he did. I seem to remember several blind people that were blind, and now they see. Mm -hmm. A couple of dead people that were dead, and now they're alive. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to leave that right there. But then he said, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. This is why he said that. He said, because I'm going to go to the Father. But he said, I have, in, in Luke, he says, I have been with you. And you've seen me do these things, and you've been empowered because I've been with you. So you've walked, talked to his disciples. You've walked side by side with me, shoulder to shoulder. I've been with you. But he says, I'm going to go to my Father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send someone just like me. In other words, the third person of the Godhead. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will be in you. So what has happened is there's a multiplication effect that's happened. It's now Jesus was the only one filled with the Spirit of God on this earth going about doing good. But then when he ascended to the Father, Father after his death, burial, and resurrection, he ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit came, and when we are born again, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and now we have the exact same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of us, and so there are thousands and millions of us that have that same Spirit, so we're going to do greater works because there's more of us to do it. That doesn't leave you off the hook of saying you got to do some good works. So we are created to do good works. You are a piece of work. Amen. You're a workmanship and you are to do good works. I'm going to wrap up with this one. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I'm here to tell you, if you are born again, if you are saved this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, if you have had that salvation experience and you welcome him into your heart and life and made him Lord of your life, then he is with you. You are his Poema, you are his poem, his masterpiece, and you're here to do good works. And but he didn't leave you without any kind of help. He didn't leave you without any motivation. He didn't leave you without any wisdom. He didn't leave you without any strategy. Because he says, "I am with you," just like he was with Jesus. He is with us, and we are to go about doing good as Jesus did. I want to challenge you this morning. First of all, don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you are worthless, that you are just, you're, listen, I'm just, I don't know if you're from Bastrop or from Page or wherever you're from. I'm just from this little place in Texas that don't know, many people know about. I'm just, you know, I don't know anything. We go to the church out there, way out in the country there, and, and you know, we're just, we're just little old us, and I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as little old you. Because if you have receive the Spirit of God inside of you by salvation, you are a force to be reckoned with Amen. on this earth. Amen. You have a purpose to
to be here. You have a reason for being. And I don't care as long as I don't see anybody that's dead here this morning. Nobody dead, right? Nobody dead? You still have a purpose. As long as you're breathing, there is a purpose for you being here. You may not be able to do what you used to be able to do, but there is still a purpose for you being here. When there's no more purpose, there'll be no more breath. God says there's a purpose for you to be on this earth. And that is to declare the glory of God in the land of the living. To show His glory. To be His masterpiece. To show God's goodness all over the earth. To love people with the love of God through compassion, through mercy, and through grace. We are to be God to this earth. Thank you for listening to the Discover You podcast with your host, James Hooper. This podcast exists to help you grow both spiritually and personally. If you enjoyed it and think others could benefit from the content provided, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us more easily. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for the Discover You podcast.